0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Viewed to be the best.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams.
0: One of the interesting things about being in college football media over the course of the last however many years, last several years, is the way in which like recruiting coverage has kind of gone mainstream now. At one point in time, this sort of existed on kind of nothing but a corner of the Internet. But now, if you want to talk intelligently about college football, you have to incorporate the main avenue for talent acquisition into your conversation if you ignore that you're essentially ignoring the lifeblood of the sport now i'm sure there's probably still some like you know crotchety old you know corners of the you know traditional media that kind of still turn their nose up at this because they don't like change but for the most part everybody else kind of understands that hey College football is driven by talent acquisition. The way this sport acquires talent is mainly through the uh, recruiting process. And that's just something we've all kind of come to, I think, understand. And some of us have been kind of there longer than others. But I think one of the things that you eventually arrive at as you kind of figure some of this stuff out is that in some respects, some of this stuff actually plays out a little bit different than you think it might. I want to give you an example of this. Think about the big news for Georgia from a recruiting standpoint here over the course of uh, this summer, this offseason. It was the nation's number one prospect. It was five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola choosing to come to Georgia. Now, if you don't follow recruiting very closely, or if you don't follow recruiting at all, and some people who choose not to do that have a little bit of a negative viewpoint about recruiting or something like that, if you kind of come in a conversation like this from that standpoint, then I think that sometimes you have a huge misunderstanding about what guys like Dylan Riola, frankly, are all about. And for those who've kind of become more aware of this and paid more, more attention, I think they realize that sometimes things are maybe not what you initially think they would be because you close your eyes, you have this picture of a guy like Dylan Raiola, and you would assume, well, this guy must be some sort of prima donna. You know, this guy must be some sort of guy that's just sort of in love with himself. After all, he's been told now for going on years how great he is, how special he is. He must believe his own press clippings. He must be, you know, big head, st- chest stuck out all the time. Not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, his dad played in the NFL, so therefore he's got access to other NFL players. Uh, we know in the national championship game back in uh, Los Angeles, he was hanging out with Matthew Stafford. Jeff Sintel has reported that he's done workouts before with a uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick. Mahomes that that uh you know listen you know this guy's kind of running in those circles you know he's kind of comes from a well-off family hanging out with these very rich very famous quarterbacks a guy like Dylan Riola boy he just must be all about himself all the time that's the kind of thing that some people might assume if they're not following this stuff quite so closely but those who are paying more you know closer attention to this one of the things they know about Dylan is yes yeah, dad played in the NFL but he was an offensive lineman. He was a center. And I think those of us who've kind of got a little bit more acquainted with Raiola, I think we see something kind of cool from the standpoint that when you were a quarterback who was, you know, uh, mentored and, and 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 raised is the right word here. When you were raised by a former offensive lineman, I think that kind of gives you a little bit of an interesting, you know, mindset and insight into football as a quarterback. I think that's sometimes mirrored by his other quarterbacking mentors. You know, I saw where uh, – uh, Patrick Mahomes, this past Christmas, what he gave all of his offensive linemen, instead of like tailor-made irons, you know, big golf bags, golf clubs, things like that, clearly taking care of his offensive linemen. And I saw something similar as well from another guy who was kind of a mentor to Dylan Raiola, Matthew Stafford, who after the NFL draft, you know, the the Rams went heavy for offensive line again, first round and uh he was talking about how much he loves the fact that these offensive linemen are there and the commitment that the Rams have to putting a good offensive line in front of him especially now that that Stafford's you know 35 years old and you know that's not exactly a, a young guy anymore by NFL quarterbacking standards necessarily but what you see here is is that Riola who was raised by an offensive lineman has these quarterback mentors who have shown their love and respect for their own offensive lines and Dylan Raiola kind of brings some of that to Georgia here himself because on social media, when he could be like bragging about himself or showing off photos in some new car or whatever else, you know, kind of sort of prima donna ish things you might imagine quarterback like that doing. Instead, Raiola is oftentimes on social media talking about players other than himself, either recruiting guys to join him at UGA or celebrating when they do. I'll give you an example of this. On Friday night, Georgia got some very good news from a recruiting standpoint. And to me, this gives you an idea of just how successful Georgia has been that a guy like Michael Jueni who I'm still fearful that I might be you know mispronouncing his name I certainly wouldn't mean to be doing that but a guy like this who's you know a top 10 offensive tackle nearly a top 100 recruit nationally he joins up at Georgia and almost just sort of becomes you know Part of the overall fabric of Georgia football conversation it doesn't get the sort of stop the presses treatment that a recruit like this might get for other programs because you know that's how good Georgia is but while it might have gone unnoticed by some fans in the midst of you know them enjoying their fourth of July weekends it did not go unnoticed by Dylan Raiola. Once again, kind of showing you an example of being like other great quarterbacks and, value, and valuing a great offensive line in front of him. Let me show you on Twitter, for those of you watching on video, Dylan Raiola celebrating Michael Uwini, uh who, by the way, is massive. He's a giant. He's 6'8", 325 pounds. And uh, Dylan Raiola hops on social media to say, uh-oh, we're just getting started. So he's clearly excited about Ueni and also excited about, as we said on Friday, what might be a string of, two, three, possibly even four big-time offensive line commits to join Georgia here over the course of the next few days. In fact, right here during this holiday weekend, we've got our eyes on another potential announcement coming up very soon. That's Daniel Calhoun, big-time offensive line prospect who's been kind of on the radar for Georgia fans for quite some time. On the 5th, he's getting ready to make his announcement. And Riola in the midst of kind of celebrating Uini's commitment to Georgia, also looking ahead to Daniel Calhoun on July 5th, this is what Dylan Riola said about that. He says, uh, you know where home is when Calhoun announced that he's going to be committing there on July 5th. So Riola who's been busy on social media from time to time, touting prospects that might join up here at UGA, paying special attention to his offensive line right now, much the way his former center father, I'm sure – probably told him he needs to and uh quarterbacks that he uh, obviously respects and has been tutored by the likes of matthew stafford and uh, uh, uh patrick mahomes have done over the course of their careers there as well and this is why it's kind of fun to follow all this kind of stuff you know sometimes the recruiting stuff is sort of called a soap opera Uh, you know it's like you got twists and turns you got drama unexpected things happen in fact maybe an example of some of that before we're uh, done on the show today and not necessarily good news for UGA we'll get to that here in just a little bit but beyond the sort of twists and turns of the drama the soap opera whatever else there's also kind of a cool uh, revealing of exactly what these players are all about what we've seen from Dylan Raiola as a touted quarterback number one recruit and all the kind of accolades that could potentially make him sort of you know a little full of himself something like that if anything Dylan Raiola is full of you know excitement and energy about who he can bring with him to Georgia guys like Uini and potentially Daniel Calhoun an example of that in fact as a way of kind of I guess sort of bolstering this point let me go back to the Elite 11 finals in California Los Angeles what a couple of weeks ago now however long that was our buddy Jeff Centel was out there got a chance to connect with Dylan Raiola and Dylan talked about how much he enjoys recruiting other players to join him at Georgia. This is what Dylan Raiola said at the time.
1: It makes it fun to recruit for such a great staff like Georgia. Um, the, the foundation they set, what Coach Smart is established. I, I don't think there's a better place, better
0: spot, better game day atmosphere than Athens, Georgia on, on a Saturday night. So I think if people want to come play at Georgia, uh, they'll come play with us. Um, but, you know, it's just a lot of fun getting, getting in to know a bunch of these recruits. I have my dognation.com comment section pulled up, and uh, Monkster, one of our commenters, says that Dylan appears to be a very mature, well-centered young man. I'm impressed. And I guess that's kind of my point on this, uh, Monkster. I think you're exactly right, that we know that Georgia is a little bit different kind of program than other programs are. You know, Georgia asks a lot of the players who come here. They're They're going to challenge them, and – There are a lot of other programs that you might have a little bit of an easier path, and you might have a chance at more individual glory. That's just a fact. And yet, for some recruits, that's actually not as much of a turn-on as you might think. Other recruits kind of like the idea of, oh, I can go and be around other great players. I can go and be pushed to be the best version of myself. As a quarterback, you may say, oh, I can go to Georgia, and while I may not be treated the same way that a quarterback at some other program might be treated – I'm going to be a part of a program, though, that puts such a great value in offensive linemen that if I earn the right to be the Georgia starter, I'm going to have guys like Uaney and potentially Calhoun and all the others that are going to be you know blocking for me here in the future, and that sort of feels like a very good place for a guy like Dylan Raiola to be. Recruits have a chance now, in a way that maybe didn't exist in the past, to sort of self-select and, and make a decision going in, but the program that sort of feels right for them, and a guy like Dylan Raiola seems like a pretty good match here for UGA right now. So to kind of wrap all of this up here for a moment. Michael Ewing was a very big commit for Georgia on Friday night, and I mean that both literally and figuratively in more ways than one, a big-time addition. A lot of Georgia fans may have uh, been busy and doing cookouts and things like that. They may have missed it. But Dylan Raiola didn't miss it. He knows why he chose Georgia. It's because of the things that Georgia has the capabilities to put around him. Raiola seems very happy with his decision, and the future of Georgia football seems very secure here right now. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are very happy to have you with us. So it's an off day for many of you. Uh, this kind of weird sort of day in between a weekend and a holiday. Many of you choose to take that off there as well. And if you did, I'm glad you're getting a chance to enjoy that. And I am incredibly thankful. That you've chosen to make Dog Nation Daily a part of your day off routine here, so maybe some of you who don't normally get a chance to watch us live, you listen later on. Maybe you're watching live today. If that's the case, well, we welcome you in, and we're just glad to have you a part of what we are doing. It's it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch on video, DogNation.com, too. Of course, starting at 9:45 for our first and 15 radio at noon, typically speaking on app and sports radio 96 six the rev we're preempted for the next two days because of the holiday we'll be back live there again not live but we'll be on at, at noon there on wednesday once again as we always are and of course the biggest platform the platform that started it all right there on podcast apple spotify everything else just so thankful to have you as a part of our program and an incredible thanks to our friends at Pella window and door of Georgia make it possible because listen great studio like this terrific producer like Kaylee Manziel sitting in today we would not have any of that Kaylee after all drives a hard bargain in terms of uh, getting her time and uh, (laughs) attention sitting here so I could not afford Kaylee if not for our good friends at Pella window and door of Georgia and listen when it comes to enjoying your house this time of year Pella window and door of Georgia helps you do that because those those Incredibly quality, nice windows indoors. Listen, looking better on the outside, making your house feel better on the inside. Uh, that is what Pella window and door of Georgia is all all you know, all about. You know, survey after survey, year after year, for folks here in our market area, they certainly recognize Pella window and door of Georgia as the brand leader on all of that. Better curb appeal, but also that kind of feel. You know, you don't want like drafty uh, house in the winter time. You don't want that like you know that stuffiness kind of in the summertime. That still air that sometimes uh, kind of you know, in in your house when you have like improperly sealed windows, you know, poor doors, when you, when you have something like that, that's what Pella helps you avoid. They just—it's the best way to take the best care of maybe the most important thing in your life, which is your your house, your home. That's your number one financial investment, maybe, and that's also maybe the place you have like the, the largest sort of emotional connection. Uh, take good care of your home. Pella windows and doors give you a chance to do that. So give them a call six seven eight six three eight fourteen twenty nine. That's six seven eight six three eight fourteen twenty nine. You can also find them online at pellaofj slash dog nation. That's Pella of ga.com slash Dog Nation. Or stop by and see them. It's experiencing it right there in Duluth. Put your hands on the product. Find out what makes it different. Find out what makes it better. Make sure you check all of that out today. But when you meet them and talk to him, one of those Pella experts, make sure you tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily sent you over there to take good care of you because I know that's exactly what they're going to do. They are viewed to be the best. That is exactly what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. So make sure you check them out today. All right, we have a very busy show for you. We are not done talking UGA recruiting. Some kind of good news off the top. Admittedly, there was maybe some less than great news for Georgia uh, on the uh, recruiting front that we'll get to before our show is done today. At least a Georgia target who's decided to go elsewhere and new information as well on a uh On another Georgia target who's going to get ready to make his announcement sooner rather than later we'll cover all of that here in a little bit i 'll also take care of one piece of housekeeping just for a quick moment. Today is Monday, July third tomorrow's July fourth That is Independence Day. so tomorrow we will be off no pre recorded show, no nothing tomorrow we're going to give our staff a full day off to enjoy all of that tomorrow. i'm glad to be able to do that. so no show tomorrow of any kind. but then back on Wednesday. Uh, just like always, and then rolling through everything on else after that ahead of the 2023 season and go for 3-23. and 23. We'll get that fully kicked off there on Wednesday, so y'all enjoy that uh, holiday time there tomorrow. Now, before we talk to John Stinchcomb in a couple of minutes, let's also go around the doghouse here for a moment. And, boy, I was really troubled over the weekend to hear some news involving one of John's former teammates at UGA. You may be aware now that there was a huge amount of layoffs at ESPN, and a lot of the folks who had lost their jobs, Uh, were famous on-air analysts, broadcasters, people that you've maybe known and and, and been a part of over the course of uh, many, many years. And one of the guys that kind of got caught up in this was ESPN's David Pollock, who had been a big fixture on uh, College Game Day for quite some time, and obviously a big fan favorite with many UGA fans because of just what a good guy David is, but also what a great player he was there at UGA. And I mentioned this on social media on guess it was Friday, Friday, or Saturday, whenever um, that this kind of came out uh, uh, officially. I think this raises a lot of questions for me, and we'll get to some of those questions here in a moment. But I want to pause here and kind of just share a quick message from David. And you may have read this at dognation.com or you may have seen this from David on Twitter. Listen, there's a lot of stuff that sometimes happens for a lot of us when it comes to a professional standpoint, they have no control over whatsoever. that that you may be in a position professionally where you just sort of feel like, hey, things are happening that are outside of my control, outside of my, you know, whatever. And the only thing that you can do is choose how to handle it, right? The only thing that you can do is choose how to be the best version of yourself in the midst of situations you can't control. And I don't know that anybody could ever have modeled that better than what David Pollack did over the course of this particular weekend, that clearly he's not happy about losing his job at ESPN, you would imagine, And I'm sure maybe he feels like that he should still be there and somebody else should be gone. And yet you talk about classiness and you talk about the right perspective and the right mindset. You know, David's not only a guy that we enjoyed cheering for as a football player, I think we gotta be inspired by his actions there too, because I think I think he models the way to behave in the midst of challenging professional circumstances, something that all of us may deal with in some form or fashion at some point in time. So let me let you hear David Pollack here, strong words from him on the heels of losing his job at ESPN. He was video on Twitter. This is audio for us, but it's the message from David. Take a listen to this. What is up, everybody? I think a lot of the news came out today and uh, a lot of y'all heard that uh, I won't be brought back to college
1: game day next year or to ESPN. And, um, just wanted to say thank you to so many people. I just appreciate everybody along the journey, you know, 12, 13 years ago, ESPN taking a chance on me and all the people that I get to work with, man, I got to work with so many great people and do so many things that was so awesome for so many years. And I'm just very, very thankful for it. And, um, I don't know what's next. I have no clue what's next in my life, but I, one thing God's shown me all along the way, man, is he is for me. He's not against me and NFL broke my neck careers over fine TV Um, You know, found coaching the last couple years, found speaking the last couple years. So I know God's got something amazing for me. I don't know what it's going to be, but thank you to all my teammates and all the people that played a part in it and uh, all you that watched and cheered me on. And um, I don't know what's next, but I know it's going to be amazing.
0: I think that's classy. I think that's inspiring. I wish that all of us, certainly myself, for sure, you know, we faced – a circumstance that might be challenging with our work that we handle it with as much grace and as much dignity as David handles that there. I just think that's really, really cool from Dave, and one of the reasons why I have liked him as long as I have, and one of the reasons that many of you feel the same way. Now, on a completely different note about the same subject, y'all, I think this is troubling. And I got a very interesting collection of messages from some of you this weekend where people were saying, you know, BA, you've been talking about this ESPN thing for a while and I wasn't quite so sure I was on the same page with you. But now I'm starting to see what you've been saying. The concern that I've been expressing for a while is, is that the SEC has fully hitched its wagon to the foreseeable future to the ESPN, ABC family of television networks. That's the SEC's only media rights partner. And this huge collection of layoffs for ESPN shows you that what ESPN essentially is, is a very large failed business. ESPN has a lot of revenue, It's very big. It's obviously the main focal point of live sports on on, on television. It is a very big business, but it's not a profitable business. And, you know, we hear all the time that, well, you know, you know, TV drives college football. College football does whatever TV wants. We've heard that for a long time, that that's the main source of the revenue that makes college football such a big business. But when you do whatever ESPN wants, which is what the SEC is kind of doing, right? When you make every decision on the basis of what ESPN tells you they want you to do because they're giving you these hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. If you're the SEC, I think you have to wonder, is ESPN going to lead our league into a better direction than it's led itself? Because whatever you kind of see going on for ESPN right now ESPN has led itself into this direction and sure they're challenging circumstances you know people's viewing habits have kind of changed you hear about court cutting things like that but 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 still ESPN has been in charge of its own demise here ESPN has led the way towards its own situation here and now ESPN is also leading the SEC in the direction that it thinks it should go because it's the one that's sort of paying for everything right now and if you're the SEC you better be very careful to make sure that you know what you are doing, trusting completely the ESPN, ABC family of networks here to sort of lead you towards the future. Because decisions like this, I think, would cause you to raise eyebrows here a little bit. ESPN College Game Day still has a lot of cultural currency. That is still a very kind of big you know, part of the college football media landscape. It may not be as big as it used to be, but it is still kind of the flagship show the sort of flagship non-game broadcast entity that exists in college football. And a big part of that, the only part of that, that at any time of the SEC whatsoever, is gone. David Pollock. Now, Reese Davis went to an SEC school, but he's kind of just sort of the broadcaster type there. That's not really the role that he's in to express a lot of opinions, although he does express some opinions sometime. And the network that's all about the SEC now has a collection of analysts on its main show that, went to Ohio State, or went to Michigan, or coached in Indiana, or played at West Virginia. There is not a very SEC feel to the network that's in bed with the SEC here moving forward. And I'm not saying that alone is enough to condemn it, but boy, it raises an eyebrow here a little bit that the SEC and the ESPN folks, they are tied at the hip for the foreseeable future. And I'm not quite so sure that's a great marriage based on the current behavior of ESPN. Something worth watching. And that is around the doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window door of George Okay, before we are done, there is more recruiting news to get to, including big news on a big-time Georgia target and some maybe disappointing news a little bit on a name that we've had on our wish list for quite some time. We will cover all of those stories in great detail before we are all said and done. Prior to that, I want to go a little deeper into the Michael Uini thing. We talked about this from a Dylan Raiola standpoint a little earlier, but now I want to kind of get into this more about kind of what he is as a player and what exactly he brings to the future of the Georgia offensive line room and just how valuable valuable it is to be just that big right it helps to be big when you play this game and uh you one of the biggest so we'll get more thoughts on that from a true expert in this conversation Uh, that is the former UGA all-american John Stinchcomb now my guess is John's also got some things to say about his former teammate and what was I think disappointing news for us this weekend to see him uh no longer a part of that ESPN family so let's cover all of that right now with John Stinchcomb here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of Georgia From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. A lot to talk to John Stinch come about. We're glad to be able to get the chance to do that here today. John, kind enough to join us. And John George did get an offensive line commit over the weekend. I'm curious to get your breakdown on that in a uh, bit, as you're often kind enough to do. But let me ask you about your former teammate, David Pollack. I, I was really disappointed to see – You know him. uh, You know lose his job at ESPN over the weekend. We played the audio of what David said about this. Very classy in stepping away. He's going to have a million opportunities. That's what David wants to do. I'm not quite so sure what David wants to do, but he's going to have a million opportunities to do you know whatever it is that he wants here. But I don't know, uh, John. This this concerns me a little bit when someone who's as college football as it gets, as entrenched in the SEC as it gets, when there's not room at ESPN for David Pollock. Boy, it makes me wonder about ESPN a bit.
1: Yeah, I was I was pretty shocked, mainly because he's done, I think, a, a really admirable job of offering some fair and uh, opinionated commentary at times. And, you know, for any, anybody who knows David uh, personally knows that he's a guy who, you know, he brings passion and he brings uh, a strong opinion most of the time. And I think what he offered to college game day is going to be sorely missed. uh you know, there, there was, he wasn't the Georgia homer that some folks uh, either wanted or projected him to be. I think, it, uh, you know, he, he was as critical at times of Georgia when when he felt it was rightfully done. Um, and then he was a, an ardent defender. One of the favorite clips I have of him is, uh, or memories, is when he's interviewing Nick Saban and was willing to uh Point out the dominance of Georgia at the time. So I think it's a voice that's going to be sorely missed and representation, as you just mentioned, of the SEC that they're going to have to figure out in another way if, if it's not going to be from uh, one of the best to ever play in the SEC uh, at, at the very least, but across college football landscape.
0: So I realize that fans, for the most part, I'm talking about broadly speaking here, they want to talk about what's happening between the white lines. You know, they don't want to talk about the boardroom part of this or intramural media squabbles, things like that. That's not interesting to fans. They care about the actual action on the field. I get all of that. And yet, when you look at the current landscape of college football, what you see is, is that there are some Power Five leagues, such as the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC. Their future is less than secure right now because of the fact they don't have great media rights deals in comparison to, like, say, the Big Ten, the SEC, which have distanced themselves from the rest because of the kind of financial relationship they have with their television partners but by comparison as I've said many times here you know the SEC is fully in bed with ESPN slash ABC here moving forward uh, Fox is aligned with uh, I should say the Big Ten's aligned with Fox and CBS NBC and as someone who's very dot in the wool pro SEC and wants the best for the SEC I am a little bit concerned about that right now because one way or another, ESPN has led itself in the direction of where it is right now, where it's cutting millions and millions of dollars from its payroll and getting rid of what a lot of fixtures have been on their broadcast airways for a long time. They created the circumstance where this is now necessary, and it does make me worried a little bit for the future of the SEC, knowing that the SEC is sort of taking orders from a media partner that has sort of led itself into the verge of insolvency.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy to me uh, when, in addition to Pollock, you see the names of Susie Colber and, and uh, Coach Van Gundy and Jalen Rose. I mean, across the board, there's a lot of high quality commentary and uh, just characters that we've
0: grown to love
1: in all across all sports. And to see the purge that happened, uh, I think it's pretty shocking. And I understand the direction of Of media and a lot of it is streamed and online Uh, but if you if you water down the content let's be honest the reason why sports is is the juggernaut that it is is because it's entertaining and I think when you bring quality commentary into the mix it elevates it and there's a reason why we don't watch the games on mute and some folks uh, pick and choose the iterations on Monday night that they want to watch a football game, it's because it adds value. And um, I understand the direction of, of saying, golly, we, we're, we're looking at our bottom line and cuts need to be made. But uh, anytime you water down the, the quality of a product, it comes at a huge cost. And so I, I hope there's another shoe that drops. And uh, specifically for the interaction of the ESPN and the SEC, uh, representation matters. And there is obviously a, a glaring uh, hole there in representation from the SEC that Pollock once filled, and they're going to need to find another answer
0: for pretty quick. Georgia got a, I mean this literally figuratively, a big recruit on fr- uh, Friday, Michael Uaney, uh, essentially a top 100, top 10 rated offensive tackle giant of a man this is one of those things that john i sort of joked with some of our audience a moment ago kind of flies under the radar at georgia because uga sort of used to getting these kinds of commits and this was you know for all intents and purposes a, a holiday weekend so maybe didn't get the full attention of georgia fans the way that it should but this to me seems like a really big addition uh to the georgia class overall and I think kind of highlights what you know the future of this Georgia program is going to be remaining as strong along the offensive line as it has been for these last two national championship seasons as it expects to be over this upcoming season there as well you obviously know this position so well having had having played it at such a high level both the college and in the NFL ranks have you had much of a chance to see you any and uh, I guess what can you tell us about what Georgia has added here well
1: I think first uh, let's Comment on Coach Cyril's ability to step yeah. in and, and battle against Michigan and Alabama for these top recruits. So you, you look at the other schools that were coveting his uh, his play at the next level, and they're the best of the best across the country. And um, for Coach Cyril's to be able to compete at that uh, in the recruiting. Uh, world, the way he's done so far this year with with three commitments so far, and still a number of players in the hopper that that are potential. Uh, it was a concern when when we moved on from Coach Pittman to Coach Luke, and, and now Coach Cyril's, uh Is there going to be a drop off? And seeing a top 100, top 10 tackle commit to the University of Georgia, who you know six seven two ninety. I mean, that's a lot of clay for a Potter to work with. Yeah. And, um, a, a, a talent that is, is highly sought after. So it's exciting for Georgia for a number of reasons, and, and one of those being that Coach Cyrils is, is not allowing that drop-off in uh, keeping the, the cabinets full of talent at the O-line position.
0: Yeah, I don't know who could have ever asked questions about, you know, Stacey Sarrell's coming back to Georgia, whether or not that or not was a good thing. That couldn't have been me, John. So I, I don't know who could have ever asked any kind of, you know, pointed questions about are we sure this is the direction the Georgia offensive line uh, needs to be going here. But in, in all seriousness, I mean, I do think the Georgia offensive line a year ago was as much a reason they won the national championship as really anything was. And I do think they are poised to add a lot of, I mean, you know, crazy things happen, anything can change. But they're poised to add a lot of big-time offensive linemen here over the course of the uh, next few days. It would seem, at least the chance exists. That's a possibility. I do think Sarrells has made a resounding defense of himself as Georgia's offensive line coach, as as how he's performed since he's gotten the job.
1: Yeah, and and I, it's worth noting. And you know, I'm I'm assuming there's more to come. But you look at the wins that he's had, and a lot of it has to do with the performance on the field. As a recruit, you want to make sure. Uh, you know the the program is succeeding how about my position group and the performance of the offensive line this past season um, is one of the reasons is one of the primary reasons that georgia dominated all but one game they played in all year and it's a testament to the resiliency and the uh, ability for coach zeros to come right in and uh, take take a, a mix of experienced players and some guys that were still cutting their teeth um, and and develop them and put together a, a group that performed at a really high level and that is that's the number one recruiter guys want to be a part of a great program that my position group can thrive and and coach Searles has proven that that's an opportunity for all players that are willing and wanting to come to be a part of the the Georgia program.
0: I want to make one more point about this. I realize I'm not exactly breaking sports here when I say the offensive line is important, but John, what I really believe you've seen happen in college ball the last couple of years, and the transfer portal I think highlights this. If anything, big-time offensive tackles have proven themselves to be even more important than they used to be, and they've always been one of the most important things on the football field on, on either side of the ball. I mean, We see big-time transfers now at almost every single position. Georgia lost a promising prospect on the defensive line, Barry Alexander, going out to USC. You may get the big-time defensive line transfer. There are a couple of examples of that taking place. The list of big-time offensive tackle transfers is zero. They, they just don't exist. Look at the NFL draft, the tackles that got drafted. With. They're not transfer players, you know, for the most part. The big-time offensive tackles, for whatever reason, seem to go and stay because programs, I'm guessing, do whatever they can to kind of keep those guys in their program. Marius Mim flirted with that prior to the 2022 season, ultimately stayed where he was. Um, that if you get the big-time offensive lineman on your campus, these teams seem to do whatever they can to keep them in place. And therefore, the transfer portal that's sort of the quick fix for almost every position, it is not proving to be a quick fix along the offensive line. So Georgia winning these kinds of recruiting battles, Georgia having the kind of offensive line depth that it appears that it has here this season, John, that's the championship differentiator because there are a lot of teams who don't have it.
1: Uh, I I couldn't agree more. And it's it's not an easy position it's something that has to be cultivated and usually takes time there's very rarely a guy that can step in and and perform at a high level I mean you, you've seen we've seen it we've seen it at Georgia uh, but a more likely scenario is a guy like Nems who comes in very talented he's a uh, high ceiling player everyone knows that, that his future has been bright long before he committed to the University of Georgia and yet still it's taken him time to uh develop his game you you look back a couple years in our game against cincinnati in uh in the bowl game and uh their tackle goes down and you see the depth was an issue and was a game changer and allowed georgia to kind of come back and win it uh because of the amount of pressure and i think that's the biggest differentiator among uh, your high-level teams is, is your performance, of your offensive line. And if we're going to highlight one position, it's at tackle. And yeah. uh, because of the elite level of the outside linebacker and defensive end play that we see now, I mean, you see some highly talented, athletic, skilled nightmare of players coming off the edge from you, these programs. And if you don't have an answer for it at tackle, it's going to be a long day. And the programs that are able to to have some one-on-one matchups with guys like Will Anderson coming off the edge uh, and not have to kind of shift what you do offensively, it is a huge strength for a team. And Georgia continues to be one of those teams that, you know, you have the talent where you trust the guys on the edges to, to keep your quarterback safe. And uh, that's that's a big differentiator from Uh, you know, your elite-level, high-tier programs from from your mid-level teams.
0: So I want to finish with one thing real quick, and I've kept you long so I appreciate your time. We've had some fun over the course of the last few days with the idea that it was reported by Bruce Feldman that Michigan was going to have what it calls a beat Georgia period during practice. <laughs> I've said before, this doesn't bother me at all. If anything, this feels like Jim Harbaugh showing proper deference to the best team in college football, uh, UGA. Whether I think Michigan's actually capable of beating Georgia or not, I don't mind aspirational thinking. That's what I think that Michigan's doing here. We have talked a little bit to some of our former players, including Jake Fromm on Friday, though, about – you know, the idea that you would mention another team by name during practice, whether or not that's good strategy for Michigan. But ultimately, I think it's nothing but respect in the eyes of most Georgia fans. At least That's the way I think it should be viewed. What do you make of this story that's admittedly probably gotten a little bit more attention because it's just the middle of summer and there's maybe not quite as much left to talk about? What do you make of the idea that apparently Michigan has its sights set on Georgia with some of its upcoming practices?
1: Yeah, I do see it as a sign of respect. I mean, to be the best, you want to beat the best. And Michigan knows that Georgia is the cupbearer and, and the standard bearer across the the league. And, um, I, you know, it's kind of funny. The Internet's undefeated with some of the responses sure. that have come from it. And uh, it, it's laughable, uh, you know, the commentary that has subsequent from the, the out, outlet of, of this information. But, you know, for Michigan – It shows where they want their program to be. They want to be the best. And for Georgia, you know, I appreciate Kirby's take that, you know, we're not the hunted. We're going to be the hunters out there. But it also recognizes that across the country, everyone knows the program to beat. And and let's recognize for an extended period of time, it has been uh, the school to our west and, and now it's Georgia and it's because of Coach Smart's ability to, to raise the program and now everyone is, is wanting what Georgia has been able to establish and it, it continues to seek after and that's you know the, 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 wor- the world's best collegiate football team. and um, I, you know for Michigan, I, I appreciate it. I also appreciate the, the folks that have pointed out, they might want to start with a, a TCU day and build yeah. up. but uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff all the way
0: around. John, great to have you here. Hope you and your family enjoy a wonderful 4th of July. Is this... The holiday where y'all get the get the uh, the slip and slide out and go to the into the pond is 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 that the Fourth of July That's tradition? It. Okay, I love it. We've shown this video before, and we may need to pull it back out again because the big uh, former Super Bowl winning offensive tackle on the uh, slip and slide into the pond is quite a uh, visual to see <laughs> there. But I'm glad to know that family tradition lives on.
1: Yep, so hopefully the weather will hold up because uh, we've got 100 feet of plastic ready to roll out and slide to a <laughs> pond. It's a, it's a good time.
0: John, that does sound like a good time. All right, y'all enjoy that. We'll talk to you soon, all right?
1: All right, appreciate it. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Happy Independence Day.
0: For sure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC through. Yeah, so uh, John, not to get into his business here, but uh, – a nice pond in his home keeps it well stocked uh you know kind of a fun thing uh they like to do but on the fourth of july they also put like the long sort of like slip and slide type thing it's like a homemade slip and slide i guess type thing you know into the pond and they run they take off we've shown this video before i don't believe i have it uh for you today but maybe we'll get a chance to show it to you again sometime and they just run slip slide right into the pond Pssh! like that to me seems like the way to celebrate our nation's birthday in fact i don't know that you get more american freedom than that so heartily endorsed by me, uh, John Stinchcomb's way of enjoying the 4th of July and finding any way you can to cool off this time of year. Boy, uh, it has been mega, mega hot over the course of the weekend. Don't really know what the storm front kind of looks like the next couple of days. Some of y'all are better at the weather stuff than I am. But uh, uh, if it's sunny outside, trying to stay cool is a big challenge. We had the pool yesterday. Gosh, it was hot. But it was also really, really fun to be out there and enjoying all of that. By the way, when the weather is really, really hot... One of the things that I know gets you feeling happy is the idea of cooling yourself off with one of those nice, pleasant Caribbean breezes. The kinds of things that you experience when you're on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. You know, we've been telling you now for the last couple of days that there is new, uh, I guess, rollout of our Dog Nation cruise for 2024. And the cool thing about this is it is bigger and better than it's ever been before as we get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, because we're going to be on board Uh, allure of the seas here in April of 2024. Still leaving out of Port Canaveral, just right down the road from us, uh, just past Orlando. Still going to perfect day, Coco K, along with Nassau there in the Bahamas there as well. But for the very first time ever, our friends at Royal Caribbean are offering the three and the four night sailings. Ours is a four night cruise, of course. They're offering the three and the four night sailings on board an Oasis class ship. So truly, when you do something again you know that you've been doing for the last couple of years, the challenge is, as an organization, how do you make it bigger and better than it's ever been before? Well, for us, that means being on board a lure of the seas, one of the largest cruise ships at sea. And that's what we're going to be doing for our Dog Nation cruise in 2024. So our great friend Jessica Slater is a terrific travel agent, and she's got a wonderful website for you that you can go to, royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com. And you can find out how to be a part of the Dog Nation Cruise coming up April 2024. But also, while you're talking to Jessica, get information about Icon of the Seas debuting this January. Get information about all the other cool things that are going on, the other Oasis-class ships and the typical traditional seven-night sailings that they are a part of. And make a great decision to be a part of a really fun Royal Caribbean Cruise vacation, sometime heading towards the end of 2023, early 2024, and then next spring as we're all on board the Dog Nation Cruise together. Bigger, better than it's ever been. Already had a massive response to this and boy, the momentum for this continues to build. All right, so let's talk some recruiting here as we're kind of cruising around the SEC for a moment. Uh, A lot of Georgia fans were disappointed over the weekend to find out that Justin Scott, the five-star defensive lineman, I would say somewhat unexpectedly chose Ohio State. It seems like the conventional wisdom might have been that had Scott not chosen Georgia, he would have maybe chosen Michigan. In fact, I think Michigan was probably kind of viewed to be the favorite in all of this, but Ohio State steps up and wins. And there are a few thoughts kind of floating in my head about this. Listen, in recruiting, you're going to have these sort of knockdown dragouts, and you're not going to win them all. But the one thing I think that Georgia fans will do in a way that Ohio State fans kind of didn't do a year ago, because there was a similar battle that took place where Georgia emerged as the winner for Damon Wilson. And the same kind of whining that all the Buckeyes fans did about losing to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, they did the same kind of whining about losing the recruiting battle for Damon Wilson. I don't believe you'll see Georgia fans whining nearly as much about Justin Scott, at least I hope that you don't. Uh, Ohio State, they stepped up and won it. Georgia would have liked to have had him. Uh, Georgia will live on to fight another day. If anything, what this ends up being more of, I think, is an interesting window into We talked Michigan a little bit. We talked Michigan with John Stinchko a moment ago. You know, Michigan's been the playoff the last couple of years, but their overall recruiting success has not necessarily reflected that at times. They've been kind of recruiting at kind of what now during near the bottom of the top ten or the top fifteen or so, they've been okay from a recruiting standpoint, but it's not like they've had the big breakthrough from a recruiting standpoint even after being in the playoff the last couple of years but in the 2024 cycle that appeared to have been changing and really I think it is changing they've been recruiting much better more of a factor for elite prospects than they have been before winning some head-to-head battles for players that Ohio State also wanted Ohio State typically recruits better than Michigan that has not been true for the entirety of the 2024 cycle and Justin Scott potentially for them was going to be another example of them stepping up and winning big in this cycle in a way they had not always been doing in previous years under uh, Jim Harbaugh. But that kind of changes, uh, at least for now, with Ohio State winning with Justin Scott. You'll add to this the fact that you know they're thought to be the leader for Edrick Houston, uh, the five-star uh, uh, defensive lineman from Buford. This is not the only big-time defensive recruit that Ohio State still expects to win with this, with this 24 class. And, you know, the other day, Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, was on, I think it was Greg McElroy's podcast, and in that interview, if you watched it, you couldn't help but notice Day talking a lot about defense, 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 defense. This is second year coming up for Jim Knowles, the Buckeyes defensive coordinator. Knowles was the big spin, free agent acquisition, if you will, coming over from Oklahoma State to Ohio State. He's kind of been thought to be one of the best X's and O's defensive coordinators, and Ohio State needed a big defensive upgrade. Even Buckeyes fans themselves would say that. That's not just me kind of poking at them as a, as a Georgia fan. Ohio State fans themselves would say they've needed a big defensive upgrade. Knowles supposed to help provide that. I'd say the results last season were somewhat mixed, did not play better against Michigan, gave up the 40 plus points to Georgia. It was not a it was a better defensive year, but it was not a great defensive year, I don't think, for Ohio State. Uh, Day is saying that this year, because of new quarterbacks and things like that, they want to lean on their defense even more. Now, the big mystery here is, and this is one thing that I don't think you can discount: when you play o- offense, whether Ohio State does. Can you also produce a defense the likes of which a Georgia or teams like that might have? There's no free lunch in college football. I've said that before, that if you make decisions with pace of play and and style of play on offense, that you're going to feel the effects of that somewhere. Oftentimes defenses are harmed uh, by offenses or programs that are fully, totally devoted to the offensive side of the ball, including the pace. With which they choose to play so this is a little bit of a grand experiment here for Ohio State but one of the things they clearly want to do try to upgrade their defensive performance is win recruiting battles like this for Justin Scott so for now you'll I guess credit them for being able to do that now the one question that Georgia fans also have is okay well with kind of somewhat unexpectedly getting Scott you know being thought to be the clubhouse leader for Andrew Houston that's not the only five-star defensive name that uh Ohio State's a big factor with right now What does that mean for the future of KJ Bolden? Bolden is a guy that Georgia fans really have their sights kind of zeroed in on. We found out over the course of the weekend that Bolden now has a commitment date in mind. August 5th is when Bolden will make his announcement. And this has been Georgia versus Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State, as I said before, kind of has that little bit of an inroad into Buford here right now. There's a family tie for KJ to the Ohio State program. This has also been a, a five star name that that Georgia fans have felt pretty good about. I have jokingly called uh, KJ Bolden potentially the drought breaker. For those of you who, uh, you know, you know your Georgia football history, go back. Well, I guess what 1950s. One of the four numbers retired for Georgia is a guy named Theron Sapp who. To be frank, as a player, is not probably in the same category that what Herschel Walker and Charlie Trippi and Frank Singwich, the other retired numbers, he's probably not in the same category as those guys, but he got his number retired because at the time, beating Georgia Tech for Georgia was a very big deal as hard as it is to imagine now at one point george had a very long losing streak to georgia tech theron Sapp helped stop that he became the drought breaker that was his nickname and it kind of lives on in georgia lord because of that well i've sort of jokingly said that kj bolden could be Georgia's new version of the drought breaker because those of you who follow recruiting in our state know pretty well that a lot of these elite gwinnett county prospects bolden goes to buford high school uh, a lot of those elite gwinnett county prospects maybe buford in particular Uh, It seems like Georgia, for whatever reason, has a hard time winning some of those recruiting battles for guys just right down the road at at times. Uh, Bolden seems like your best chance to do that for the class of 2024. So if he does come to Georgia, as a lot expect he would be, he'd be a defensive back of safety at UGA. Then he may be the new version of the drought breaker, kind of ending a long drought for Georgia in Gwinnett County. A lot of Georgia fans wonder, does that change now that Justin Scott kind of adds to the Ohio State recruiting momentum? You also hear about a recent visit for KJ to Auburn and the fact that, you know, they kind of want to be a factor in player in all of this I guess my best guess is is that ultimately this probably still does come down to Georgia Ohio State I do take the Buckeyes very seriously as anybody probably should in any major recruiting battle but I also don't see any reason why Georgia fans should be you know worried about their favorite programs pitch to KJ either this is going to be one of those that kind of probably goes down to the wire in August 5th just the latest or the next maybe twist and turn in that story so we'll see what KJ announces here a month from now but information news on him with the Buckeyes clearly still a very big factor in all of that and then finally as part of our SEC through away from the uh, subject recruiting I love that Joel Klatt who I think is you know kind of being promoted right now as the Fox Sports version of what Kirk Herbstreet has been for ABC and ESPN and frankly I think that Klatt's probably pretty good uh you know He's His his voice has kind of uh, grown and resonated here in college football circles. He seems very interested in college football. Uh, and he, he, on his own, I guess, podcast, he got some attention for something he said about Texas. I want to read this quote because I think it's kind of interesting when you start thinking about a year from now when Texas and Oklahoma officially joined the SEC. Clatt expressing some skepticism about how Texas might fit in here in this league. He says, this notion that Texas is going to go all of a sudden roll into the SEC and start winning, it's very similar to the notion that the Aggie fans thought they were gonna roll in back in 2012 when they first came to the SEC. He says he says everything was gonna be better. And it's like, no, they were exactly as they always have been what they were in the Big Twelve. I think it's a very interesting comparison that a lot of Tech and M fans back prior to 2012 when they came into the SEC thought there might be this fresh start and Tech m would sort of finally fulfill its potential, kind of long, viewed as one of those sleeping giant type college football programs because they had a lot of resources, a lot of fans, but very little in the way of tangible winning. Texas has certainly been an example of that for most of the last few decades. Think about all the teams that have won the Big 12 since Texas last won this league. Uh, it's been a lot, and, you know, Texas kind of at times sort of looked no better than like an also-ran type category, even though obviously their typical recruiting rankings aren't too bad and their, you know, uh, notoriety is certainly you know very high. They just don't win nearly enough games. I think that Clats bringing up a pretty good point here is that if that's the current f- state of affairs when you're in the Big 12 – It doesn't get any easier coming to the SEC, which is why I think both Texas and Oklahoma would do right to take advantage of this final year in the Big 12. Something that Texas had a hard time doing. I'll I'll acknowledge that. But I do think they probably have, if not the best quarterback in the country, probably the guy that's gotten less attention than he deserves and compared to others in Quinn Ewers. Uh, I think Ewers gives them a great chance to beat Alabama Week 2 because that's a quarterback matchup that will favor them. And maybe Texas, with the game against Alabama that appears winnable, and a Big 12 slate that's a lot easier than what they're going to face in the SEC, maybe they can prove Joel Klatt wrong here. I told you all the other day, if you've been with us over the course of the last couple of weeks, my final kind of cruise show from the other day, I did pick Texas to make the playoff this year. And I told you as well, I don't feel good about that pick. You know, A lot of you would probably want to make fun of me of that, and I am kind of bracing for it. I didn't love my playoff picks, but you got to find four, and right now I would say finding four is not super easy to do. That I do think that Texas sort of has its moment to kind of finally show we are better than what guys like Joel Klatt think we are. Even though the evidence is on the side of guys like Joel Klatt who seem somewhat dismissive of Texas, the evidence exists for why you would do that. But Texas, with the quarterback in place, with the you know soft conference schedule in place for this year, they have a, change, a chance to change that narrative. To a certain extent, Oklahoma does too. We will see what kind of momentum they allow themselves to enter into the SEC with next year. And for now, we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, you want to talk about a phenomenon something we announced on Friday seems to already be taking dog nation by storm. And I am so happy to be able to see that. In fact, I want to highlight that specifically right now as part of our golden shoe. As we wrap up the uh, program here today, how about the finished long drink peach flavor all across the peach state right now, our buddy Kenny, who's 13 odd on Twitter says the finished long drink has got me in a peach state of mind this 4th of July weekend. I'm telling you right now that goes great with whatever, like lake, pool, golf, whatever you got going here this uh, weekend. It goes great with it. He says, go dogs, go for three and 23. Hashtag golden shoe as well. You know, go for three and 23, get you put right to the front of the line. And frankly, enjoying the peach flavored version of the finished long drink, a good way to get some attention from us there as well. So, Kenny, you enjoy it hope all of you are having a wonderful fourth of july weekend no show for us tomorrow back on wednesday but before we say goodbye to you let's remind you lousy stinking gators what a miserable place that must be to be 117 days from right now it gets even worse georgia beats them again that is our gatorator countdown we'll see you back here wednesday dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia